Welcome to Secure Freedom Radio. This is Frank After, your host and guide for what I think of as an intelligence briefing on the war for the free world. That war has taken a very unsettling turn in the course of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, both for the fact that it has unleashed, for the first time since Adolf Hitler strode the earth, a major land war on the continent of Europe. But even more so because Vladimir Putin, in the course of that invasion, and as an effort clearly to push back on Europeans unhappy about it, he has raised to a heightened level his strategic nuclear forces alert status, which is brought into sharp relief once again, as it should. The fact that there is, yes, Virginia, a nuclear threat to the United States, and unfortunately, it does not just emanate from Russia. A woman who has given serious thought to all of this has worked in the United States Congress uh, overseeing the nuclear deterrent posture of the United States in light of such threats, and is now a policy analyst for nuclear deterrence and missile defense at the Heritage Foundation's Center for National Defense is our first guest. Her name is Patty Jane Geller. As I mentioned, she has worked on the staff of uh, my old committee in the Senate, uh, the Senate Armed Services Committee, in fact, on what is now called its Strategic Forces and Cyber Subcommittees. Um, I had the privilege of being a staff member on that committee myself a lifetime ago, and uh, so it's uh, old home week for us to have her here with us. Uh, prior to working on the Senate Armed Services Committee, uh, Patty Jane worked for Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, uh, now I believe the number three ranking Republican in the House of Representatives. Patty Jane, it's good to have you back. Welcome. Let me start by asking you about the policies of the Biden administration. We'll come to the Russian uh, piece of this in a moment. But uh, prior to this invasion of Ukraine and the heightened alert of Soviet, uh, excuse me, former Soviet uh, nuclear forces. We had the administration staking out some policy and programmatic decisions. And could you characterize them for us? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with Biden's um, interim national security guidance, where he said that he wanted to reduce the role of nuclear weapons uh, in U.S. strategy, which from the very start, it's really problematic because um, as much as we might want to use nuclear weapons less or rely on nuclear deterrence less, our, our adversaries are doing the opposite. And I know we'll we'll get to the threat, um, what Russia and China are doing, but the Biden administration from the start hasn't been taking a kind of a clear-eyed view of the role of, of nuclear deterrence um, in, in American national security. Uh, since then, we've seen um, the Biden administration contemplate um, seriously dangerous changes to our nuclear posture. Um, for instance, he's received a lot of pressure um, from the left side of his party to get rid of our uh, ICBMs, our, our long-range missiles that we keep in the United States ready on alert um, to respond to any crisis, or keeping around our, our missile that was built in the 1960s instead of replacing it. Um, we also know that President Biden wanted to um, change our, our nuclear declaratory policy and adopt what's called a no first use policy, which means that the United States would commit to never using nuclear weapons first in a conflict. Um, and, you know, surely I'm sure Americans don't want to have to use nuclear weapons, but such a policy is dangerous because it would be telling our adversaries, well, okay, um, great. The U.S. won't use nuclear weapons on us. Uh, we can escalate to whatever point that we want. Um, 
And something else that's concerning is Biden is considering cutting um, some nuclear weapons programs that were initiated under the Trump administration, um, a couple of what we call non-strategic nuclear weapons that would be able to deter, for example, uh, a, a Russian use of nuclear weapons in Europe, you know, maybe on Ukraine, maybe on NATO. So what we've been seeing out of the Biden administration up until the Ukraine, the invasion of Ukraine has been has been very worrying, um, devaluing the role of our nuclear weapons when we we need a strong deterrence. Um, you know, I'm I'm really hoping that the the Ukraine invasion is starting to change some of his policies well, around. Uh, let's hope that's the case on a whole host of fronts, actually. But uh, just staying with the nuclear piece of this, uh, what you've sort of described, at least in passing, Patty Jane, is that our nuclear deterrent posture relies upon weapons that were built many decades ago. In fact, I think the last modernization program, with possible exception of a, a, a nuclear bomb, was when I was in the Pentagon, which, which was, uh, you know, as I say, a lifetime ago, 19, uh, early 1980s. Um, in this case, uh, whether it's our intercontinental ballistic missiles or our submarine-launched ballistic missiles or our uh, cruise missiles, uh, our uh, bomber-delivered weapons. Um, is it fair to say that compared to what uh, the Russians, uh, or for that matter, the Chinese, uh, have been putting into place, um, ours are ancient and arguably uh, inappropriate to the kind of deterrent needs of today. Yeah, absolutely. They All of our nuclear weapons um, and our delivery systems were built during the Cold War. Um, I'll, I'll give one example our, that I mentioned before. Our ICBMs were uh, deployed in 1970. They were meant to be replaced in 1980. And now we're, we're 40 years later and we're still using those things. And uh, the analogy well, I like exactly to give using is, them, you know, but imagine we're relying that, on them, that's for sure. Right. Relying on them. Thank you. Um, hopefully we don't have to use them. But uh, the, the analogy I like to give is, you know, imagine you got a you bought a car in 1970 and you're still, you know, assuming it's going to safely get you from place to place. You know, wouldn't you rather have have gotten a new car r really long time ago for that? Uh, especially kind of security? if um, you keep it up on blocks and you never take it out for a drive to make sure that everything is still working properly, which is what I think we've done with the absence of nuclear testing since 1992 underground you know, realistic nuclear testing, that is. Go ahead. Right. Um, yeah. And meanwhile, you see Russia, you know, they kind of got rolling on this. Their their forces are 90% modernized already. Uh, they're building brand new weapons. Um, the Chinese have modern weapons as well. And yeah, the worry is that, you know, our senior leaders, our military leaders have made it really clear that the weapons that we're relying on, uh, if we keep them in, if we don't replace them soon, they might age into obsolescence. There's the worry that they might not work as intended. Um, and that has a big impact on deterrence. If, if our adversaries, yeah, see, wow, that missile is falling apart. It's built so long ago, you know, maybe it won't work. Maybe I can get away with some sort of nuclear shot if the U.S. won't have what we call a, a credible response. Let me ask you about one other piece of this, because for some in our audience, I suspect this sounds pretty arcane, uh, maybe even incredible. But it also sounds a little strange Lovian that you're thinking the unthinkable about uh, the actual use of these nuclear weapons. But for deterrence to work, particularly against somebody like Vladimir Putin, and we'll talk a bit more about him in a moment, um, you have to be uh, credible, uh, don't you? And to the extent that you have uh, weapons that even if they work properly, 
may not be suitable for today's deterrent missions. For example, if they were designed to destroy hardened silos, um, but you now have a, a different set of you know, targets on your hands, mobile missiles, for example, uh, or missiles that uh, uh, you have to contend with the fact that uh, you're up against very fast flying threats uh, as opposed to, you know, somewhat slower ones. These are the hypersonic I'm thinking of. These are the sorts of things that our weapon systems need to be tailored to address, do they not? Right, absolutely. And the reason is because uh, nuclear deterrence is a paradox. Uh, In order to prevent the use of nuclear weapons by our adversaries, we need to be totally prepared to use them. Um, We need to have a credible threat and and demonstrate our resolve that we will use nuclear weapons if we need to. And and you were talking about, you know, being able to target things like um, targets buried deeply under the ground, um, deter the use of hypersonic missiles. Um, And that's because it it has always been the policy of the United States um, to be able to fight and win a nuclear war if deterrence fails. Um, And I think that that kind of has a fundamental linkage to deterrence. You know, we, we, our adversaries need to know that, you know, if you decide to launch nuclear weapons, we will be able to reach your, your targets buried underground. We will be able to uh, destroy your missile silos and um, it will be a terrible day for you if you decide that, to launch nuclear weapons. Convincingly um, one more thing you mentioned before. Yeah. You, you, you said um, we're talking about the unthinkable here, the use of nuclear weapons. And that just caught my ear because I think a lot of us a few months ago thought that the invasion of a sovereign nation would be unthinkable in the 21st century. So I think this idea of, you know, things never happening is we can't yeah. have well, to make that Well, that's a perfect segue anymore. to uh, the next point, which is uh, Vladimir Putin um, may have said even recently, uh, as have a succession of American presidents, that a nuclear war, despite what you just said, <laughs> Patty Jane Keller, cannot be one and must not be fought, he actually has been preparing to wage and win decisively nuclear war throughout his presidency. And the thing that's so uh, alarming about this is, and I'd like you just to comment on the various components of it, not only has he engaged in that modernization program you talked about, and I, I understood that it actually was complete, not 90%, but basically complete, and that there are some 22 different nuclear systems that have been put into place as part of that modernization program, according to our colleague Mark Schneider. Um, but in addition, Patty Jane, Putin has relatively recently introduced not a no first use policy, but an escalate to de-escalate policy, which explicitly contemplates the first use of nuclear weapons to prevail in a battlefield or, or otherwise. Um, talk a little bit about that doctrine, if you would, and what it suggests um, is his true attitude and uh, and capabilities for nuclear war fighting. For sure. This, yeah, this thing that Putin might say about nuclear war sh- can never be won and should never be fought is totally theater propaganda. Um, yeah, Putin has this, Russia has an escalate to de-escalate or what we also like to call an escalate to win doctrine, where he seems to uh, mistakenly believe that Russia can employ uh, a nuclear weapon during a war, during a conventional war in Europe and uh, compel the enemy back to back down. Um, Russia reserves that right. I think that's the language used in their doctrine uh, to use nuclear weapons first if, if they think that they're being threatened. Uh, and Russia has the capabilities to back this doctrine. 
Um, Russia has over 2,000 of what we call uh, tactical or, or non-strategic weapons uh, deployed in Europe. And, and tactical or non-strategic weapons, they're generally lower in yield and shorter in range, meaning, you know, they they're not to be launched at the U.S., but to be launched at NATO or, you know, Ukrainian adversaries um, in Europe. And, and that's really dangerous because, you know, we're, we're seeing that playing out right now. Um, Putin is threatening the use of nuclear weapons. He appears to be not doing well in a conventional conflict um, that aligns with his, his doctrine. Um, and that's super worrying. And another worrying thing is that I mentioned Putin has over 2,000 of these smaller tactical weapons. The U.S. only has about uh, 100 of these deployed in Europe. And um, there's a huge numeric disparity here. So that just increases the the worry that Putin might tr- decide he wants to exploit that advantage and following a strategy, employ these small nuclear weapons. In I, Petty Jane, you said he mistakenly believes that, you know, he can use these things um, decisively. I, I'm not sure that is a mistake. Uh, we hope not to see it tested, needless to say, but uh, it is a proposition that clearly informs his thinking, and and not only is there this great disparity, but as you know, uh, one of the things that Putin is now demanding, apparently as part of any kind of uh, agreement to end his invasion, or even slow it, I guess, uh, his invasion of Ukraine, is that uh, the United States must commit to remove uh, that little uh, bit of uh, tactical nuclear weapons that we do still have in Europe. So um, I don't know that there's any appetite to do anything like that, especially given the size of his capabilities in this uh, this regard. But uh, it, it, it just plays into, um, I think, the larger concern that uh, we're dealing with somebody who's got a very different view of uh, nuclear weapons and warfighting. And that's, by the way, exhibited by his personal involvement in, indeed, serving as the commander of strategic thermonuclear exercises simulating attacks against the United States, um, some of which the Chinese have participated in, by the way. Um, What are we to make of that? Uh, I I can't think of a single president of the United States uh, since, well, at least very early on in the you know, the nuclear age who has been directly involved in such exercises. It's always, there's somebody who plays the president, but I don't think that it's ever been the president. And Putin relishes this, even going off into, you know, nuclear ballistic missile submarines to uh, to play a role. Uh, this, again, suggests he's not only deeply studied his country's strategic nuclear doctrine and capabilities, but that uh, that he's prepared to exercise them should, uh, and I don't mean in the simulated way, I mean literally uh, exercise them uh, should he feel it's necessary to do so. Your thoughts? Yeah, for sure. Um, nuclear weapons are clearly very, very important to not only to Russia as a whole, but to Putin. I, I think that he sees them as critical to uh, Russia's status as a great power. And I think we know that Russia's goals and ambitions. They want to be seen as, you know, this great empire, one of the top powers with the U.S. And um, nuclear weapons are, are critical to that because, you know, Putin can make threats of extremely high consequences, I think is are the words that he used. And um, yeah, show off his nuclear weapons and even use them if he needs to. And I think that his personal involvement of overseeing these exercises is 
um, certainly striking and definitely tells us um, that Putin might be willing to threaten, if not use nuclear weapons. I was reading uh, something written by a, a Putin Russian expert the other day who said that if Putin has a tool, uh, he will not hesitate to use it. Um, and that's not to say that deterrence will fail and Putin will launch all out nuclear strikes, but it tells us that we need anything could happen, especially as um, war is waging on right now. Well, this is bracing stuff. And I think the sort of thing that we have to um, very, very carefully uh, reflect on and, and most especially revisit some of the uh, preceding assumptions, and especially those you've just described of, uh, of the Biden-Harris team, who, uh, who thought that they could essentially further diminish our nuclear deterrent posture, um, relying still further on uh, old and obsolescent nuclear forces, uh, but fewer of them and uh, hamstring them with uh, no first use uh, doctrines and the like as well. Um, I know that they will be uh, getting some further advice from you on this subject. You have an important paper, Patty Jane Geller, on uh, the Heritage website uh, about this from last month in which you urged there be, even before all of this Ukraine business, reconsideration of our sea-based nuclear deterrent. And I commend that to our audience at heritage.org. Thanks for your time today and uh, for the great work you do over there. Keep it up and come back to us with updates soon if you would, Patty Jane. Next up. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on, Frank. Great to talk about this. My pleasure. Next up, we'll be speaking about um, the upcoming Supreme Court nomination and uh, its confirmation in the Senate right after this. 